Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. Prayer is our most powerful life-changing tool, but all too often it feels like a struggle. Best-selling author and speaker Sheila Walsh is helping us to reignite our relationship with God and to embrace the life-changing effects of prayer in her new book. It's called Praying Women, How to Pray When You Don't Know How. She'll share with us how this book is helping people as we deal with the current pandemic and why she decided to write this book. That's coming up today on Connections. Today's guest is Sheila Walsh. She is a powerful communicator and a Bible teacher. You're also the author of numerous books. And uh, your most recent is Praying Women. And this book now you're saying is a departure for you. So can you tell me a little bit about this book, why you decided to write it, and why now? You know, honestly, I think I did it more from my own spiritual health. I've always felt, well, particularly over the last 20 years, that I love to study the Word of God. I love to teach the Word of God. But if I'd looked at my own life, I I felt like the area that I struggled most was prayer. And so I just I, I just took out like, over a two-year period. I, I began to study, you know, what does God's Word say about prayer? What have people written about prayer in the past? And, and then one night, I just threw out a question on my Facebook page, and I just asked, you know, girls, if I say the word prayer, what what comes to mind? What's your automatic response? And I said, then don't say what you think you're supposed to say. <laughs> you know, just be honest. And it was really amazing. You know, things like, I, I feel like um, I get distracted. You know, I'm halfway through a prayer and I'm thinking, did I defrost the chicken? Or I get bored, or I feel like it's just repetitive. But then some that were more, um, that were more serious, things like, um, if God already knows what he's going to do, why pray? And and even some that were like, you know what, I prayed before and God didn't answer, so I, I've stopped praying. So I began to realize I wasn't the only one who struggled with with prayer. And so that's when I decided to, to write this book. And interestingly enough, I mean, God always has, in his sovereignty understands, but I, but it just seems now a timely book for what we're walking through. This book rings so true, especially like as we deal with this COVID-19 pandemic and we're all confused. How can this book help someone that is just confused and they don't know what to do? Yeah, and that's, and that's a great question. And honestly, one of the things that has helped me most, and obviously nobody knew this was what God did, but we did, is the power of praying the Psalms. I, that's something that I didn't realize that really, I mean, I knew that in the Old Testament, like the, the people would sing psalms as they went to certain um, places and remembered certain festivals. But Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, before she passed, she was such a dear friend to me. And I remember her saying one time, Sheila, if you're, if you're researching something, don't just read current authors. Go as far back as you can. And so I began to study people like, like Augustine or, and how all of those great fathers of the faith talked about the fact that God gave the psalms to the people of God to give them language to pray back to God. And you will find it, no matter what you're going through, you will find words in the Psalms. If you're angry, if you're confused, if you're afraid. And so I've begun just a simple practice of, of praying a Psalm out loud every day. And, you know, even like I think of Psalm 34, you know, for people who are struggling or afraid or not sure how they're going to pay their bills next month. But, you know, Psalm 34 talks about the Lord being close for the brokenhearted and saving those who are crushed in spirit. I really encourage people to take a fresh look at the Psalms. And for people who struggle with 
what to say during their prayers or just how to pray. What's your advice for them? I would say that God is more interested in your presence than your perfection. You know, John Bunyan wrote once, better to have a heart with no words than words with no heart. And sometimes the most powerful prayer could be as simple as, in fact, I remember I was hospitalized for a month in a psychiatric hospital with severe clinical depression. And I've been a Christian for years. I've been to seminary. I've been the co-host of the 700 Club. But that on that first night in that hospital room, literally the only two words I could get out were, help me. And I have to tell you, I felt the presence of the Lord more in that hospital room through a very honest, broken prayer than I had done in so many other days. People who are just starting from the beginning, who don't have a clue where to start, don't know what to do, don't even know where the beginning of prayer is, what would you say to those people? And how do they start? How do they know what to pray for? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think we think of prayer as being part of religion as opposed to being part of relationship. You know, it's like when you get to know someone for the first time, you know, you just, you start a conversation. One of the things that I, before I went to seminary in, when I was 19, I had a month that I wanted to do something just to, to volunteer in the little Scottish town where I was born. So I volunteered for a month in a senior center and there was one gentleman I could never reach. He wouldn't come to join the rest for lunch at tables. He would sit by himself against the wall, and I would take his, his lunch to him on the tray. But one day I decided um, to just take his lunch to him, but then sit beside him. And, and I said to him, you know, hi, my name is Sheila, and I was born in this town, but one day I'm going to go to, to North America. And his face just lit up, and he said, that, that's where I'm from. And from that point on, we became really, really good friends. But every day when I would arrive, even if my bus was late, the minute I walked through the door, he would call out, she came. And honestly, I think that's how God feels. You know, if you just go for a walk and just say, just say, hello, God. You know, I don't even know if you are real. And I don't know if you know me, but I would like to get to know you. Um, to get a chair and stick it in the middle of the room and, and just sit down. I'm pretty sure all of heaven calls out, she came. Just treat him as a friend. Yes. Basically. Because that's what he is. You will never in your life meet anyone who loves you the way that God loves you. You say pray when it's hardest um, to pray. What do we do when the unexpected, such as the COVID-19 pandemic hits your life or in your situation when you were hit with this depression and you don't know what to do? I think you'd be brutally honest. That's one of the most important lessons I've learned. You know, sometimes we think that there's a right way to pray, there's a right words you should use, there's a right posture, should I kneel, should I, what should I do? I don't think that, I mean, that's another thing I learned from the Psalms, be honest. If you really, if you're afraid, tell God, you know what, I'm afraid, I don't know what's happening here, or why did you let this happen? You know, I was watching a story, um, I'm in Dallas, Texas, and I was watching a story last night of, of a couple where they were about to celebrate their wedding anniversary and, and he got the, the virus and was taken into hospital and she wasn't able to see him and he died five days later without her being able to ever see her husband again. And I mean, my husband and I sat there watching the news with tears pouring down our face. And honestly, when I, at a time like that, I'm like, God, I don't understand this. So I think to the level that we're willing to be honest with God, 
is an indication of how much we actually trust him. Don't feel like you have to say the right things. Tell God exactly how you're feeling. In fact, you know, we're in the Easter season. When you think about how Christ patterned prayer for us in the Garden of Gethsemane, I mean, he, he didn't pretend that what was about to happen was easy. In fact, Luke, because he's a doctor, he recorded that one interesting, heartbreaking fact that when Christ prayed in desperation, he literally sweat blood. I mean, he was in such pain. You know, he said, he didn't say, Lord, this is going to, Father, this is going to be easy. He used the most, in fact, it's the only time in the New Testament that Christ uses the word Abba. He prays that most intimate, Dad, if there's any way, please get me out of this. And that, but then he prayed that your will be done. So I think Christ patterned for us how you pray when it's the hardest to pray. He just, he just wants our presence. He wants us there. Absolutely. That's just, you know, it's interesting that we're all, you know, I don't know what it's been like in, in Winnipeg, but we've been, my husband and I are going on to our over three weeks now of being self-isolated, of not being able to, to go out other than for, like, to pick up something um, like a prescription. And, it, and it's been really hard. But what I've also discovered is, you know, we've got, we've got more time. We always think, I always say, oh, I'm too busy. I have to fly out and do this. I have to fly out and do that. And, but suddenly now all of that is closed. So it's, it's a great time for us to begin to set up some, some new habits. One of the things that my husband and I have done, and not, not everyone would want to do this depending on whether your, what your religious background is. But we've begun to celebrate communion together once a week. And you don't have to have all the right things. You could just have juice and a cracker. But, you know, we've been reading the passage where Christ gave his, his body and his blood for us. That there's ways that we can begin to deepen our relationships with one another, you know, when we're all stuck together, rather than um, think, you know, if I spend one more day in this house with these people, I'm going to kill them. It's, it's also just such a great opportunity to build that relationship. We always, we always complain. Like you said, we're busy. I don't have yeah. time to pray. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that. Now we have no excuse. I, I know. And, and I think then the one thing I would want to say though is don't let the enemy shame you because sometimes you know, like we'll say, okay, now that I'm home, I'm going to spend so much more time reading my Bible. I'm going to pray so much more. And maybe a day goes past and you realize you've just binge watched Netflix all day and you haven't done anything. And then I think that's when the accuser of God's children loves to, to shame us. But remember Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, so I, I don't, don't feel condemned if you haven't done the things you said you would do. Remember what it says in Lamentations, his mercies are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, in the midst of this pandemic and and just in everyday life as a wife and a mom, how do you pray to guard your family um, from spiritual attacks? Well, you know, it's interesting. When I I didn't become pregnant until I was 40 years old. I, I I was actually 40 when my son was born. And so when he was really little, what I would do is while I was folding his little outfits, I would pray. I would like tuck prayers into them. If I was folding a little hat, I would say, Lord, protect his mind. Folding a little um, top, I would say, God, guard his heart. And I would do the same for my husband when I was folding laundry. And now our son is 23 and he's in graduate school in Houston, Texas. But he's also self-isolating. I can't be there. I mean, I want to be there. We, 
I'm very grateful for things like FaceTime. You know, we can FaceTime every day and talk. But in every season of life, there are fresh challenges for our children. You know, whenever he learned to drive when he was 16 and he was going to be um, taking a car to school for the first time by himself, I was up at six o'clock in the morning <laughs> with um, oil and I was anointing his tires, you know, and praying for God's protection. But I, and when he moved into his um, first place at college, when he was, when he moved in with four other boys, and my husband and I went up and as well as cleaning out the place before they all moved in, I anointed every doorpost and I prayed, Lord, for every person that will walk through here. You know, I, I pray that you will keep people who shouldn't be in my son's life away and, and, and welcome in people who should be there. But I just, no prayer is ever wasted. You know, when I was studying, one of the things I discovered is that prayer is the chosen fragrance of heaven. God could have chosen anything, but he said, but it talks about angels holding up bowls uh, and the incense is, is the, are the prayers of God's people. So prayer is what God chose to surround himself with. Now, your book is called Praying Women, but is this book specifically for women? Well, that's an interesting question because Barry, my husband, and I, we worked together on projects, and he he reread he read the book three times with me just before we handed the manuscript in. And his thing was, I think we should change the title just to pray people. But um, so, no, I definitely think that it's a book that, I mean, I've, I've even heard, I have a small group of close friends that when I'm, about to hand in the manuscript, you know, I'll, I'll pass it out and I'll say, now tell me what, what doesn't ring true here. Tell me what you wish I'd explain more. And some of them were men. And, and I got some, so many comments from saying, this really is a book that has strengthened and encouraged my own prayer life for men. And now since your book has been released, it was released back in February, have you had any response from the community besides the people that you, you know, and that you've handed your manuscript over to? Oh, gosh, yeah, it's been amazing. In fact, one of the things that people can do, and, and this applies you know, in Winnipeg and all of Canada, too, is that uh, if people do get a copy of the book, then simply go to my website, SheilaWalsh.com, and hit on free resources. And then you can you just put in your name and your email and whatever the order number was. Or if you can't, if, if there's not an order number you can remember, just put in the word HOPE. And you can download a free eight-week Bible study. And you can actually still join our online Bible study group. We've got um, over 7,000 people in the group. And talking through these things, discussing these things, praying for one another, it's been really exciting. And you see this is the departure um, from some of from your other books. What's the future plans now for you going forward? Well, it's, it's really interesting. I spent a couple of hours... Um, the other day on the phone with my editor, and then we were talking about that because once a book is out, you know, it's usually time to to start thinking. And so, yeah, the Lord has really dropped something in my heart, and particularly during this coronavirus. My pastor at my church asked if I would speak. Um, we were taping a, a Good Friday special, and he asked if I would just speak for six minutes on the cross. And I was thinking to the people who stood there that day and looked up, you know, some of them may have been people who were on the hillside that day and saw that miracle and were fed by the little boy's lunch. You know, perhaps the man that was healed at the Pool of Bethesda was there. You know, I, we don't know exactly who was in that crowd, but for, for those looking, it must have looked as if all hope had died. But they didn't realize they were actually in the middle of a miracle. They wouldn't know till you know, till Easter Sunday. And so that's kind of the heart 
of my next book, um, what if right now we're in the middle of a miracle that we can't see what God's actually going to do? And if you've given your life to Christ, then you're always in the middle of a miracle. Because no matter what happens in this earth, um, when this life is over, we win. Are there any parting words that you have for our listeners when it comes to right now, as we all kind of sit here going, what is going on? Yeah, and that's a very, very good, very real question. I would just want to remind whoever is listening in that you are not forgotten, that you are not alone. That's the amazing thing. In Hebrews chapter 13, says, um, we're reminded of this, you are never alone. Jesus said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So even if you're someone in, in a, a nursing home, if you're in a hospital, if you're in a, an apartment by yourself, I just want to remind you that God is very close. You are not alone, and you can talk to him as you would talk to your best friend. Thank you so much for your time today. really appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it, too. God bless you. Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation again, you can always do that by visiting your radio station's website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.